0: Start type of a cool with the tape player. I'm back on my band to for the kicks. They couldn to give me two cents for my circle cycle like we glue hands. like I don't believe in new friends. trail light I know the ice stick. I throw the song get a deal with. I cri the comfort in my own skin, really. I just want to feel the real spin. Watch me double that. I get it lit. Watch you. Hey What's up, everybody? How's it going? This your boy Frankie with We are the brand podcast presented to you by Fiveber Media. straight out of Chicago and in the studio today, we have a real special guest. Um, you know typically she doesn't come to the north side is what I heard she stays on the south side most times. Uh, Tanya known as the community architect um, activist and yo it's a pleasure to have you into the studio today.
1: I'm excited to be here thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely so I you know I feel like this is going to be a great conversation um, just all the things that you stand for the things that you do um, that comes from a particular place which means you carry a certain persona and a particular spirit about you and I feel our conversation is gonna be able to give the audience something to really pick up on and some gems. And I feel like, you know, you have a lot to say. And so I'm gonna hand it over to you. If you would just kind of introduce yourself a little bit more, let the people know, you know, who you are, what you do, where you're from.
1: For sure, so my name is Tanya Lozano. I am the niece of Guadalupe Lozano, the I mean, the granddaughter of Guadalupe Lozano and the niece of Rudy Lozano, who was assassinated in 1983. And I'm the daughter of Emma Lozano and Slim Coleman. The reason why I always say my family lineage, lineage when I introduce myself first is because uh, they have a lot to do with who I am. Um, and and um, I'm a mom before anything. I have two kids an eight year old daughter, Apollonia, and a, a four year old, Junie. Uh, he's a junior, we call him Junie for short. Um, and I consider myself a community architect. It's a term that Somebody, one of my friends came up with and said, you you got got to stop calling yourself an activist. You got to call yourself an architect Mm. because you build communities. Right. Right. And so um, I do. I build a lot of communities. Of of those communities comes Healthy Hood Chicago. I'm the CEO and one of the founders of Healthy Hood Chicago. It's been in existence since 2015. So we've been here. We're still a baby, you know, we're still new, but we're very grassroots. But we come from deep roots. So. Uh, before Healthy Hood Chicago, me and my sister Jolene Lozano co-founded the Youth Health Service Corps, which is a an after-school program uh, that in some schools have been incorporated into their health curriculum. Mm-hmm. We teach seventh through twelfth graders about the twenty year life expectancy gap that exists in Chicago. Mm. A lot of people don't know that this life expectancy gap exists. It exists between communities of color and affluent white communities. It's the largest life expectancy gap in all of the nation. Mm. Because of how segregated Chicago is, historically everybody knows when you come to Chicago, if you live in Chicago, you know right. you know where the black folks live, you right. know where the Mexicans live, yep. you know where the Chinese live, mm-hmm. you know where the white people live. Um, and because of that segregation, it's just really easy to see disparities specifically right. when it comes to health and wellness. Right. The data shows that we're dying 20 years before white people do in the city in some areas now that is now 30 years. Right. Because we just went through a pandemic. Right. And so we created the Youth Health Service Corps about 12 years ago. Now we've been uh, doing that program. We got that program in about 21 different CPS and alternative schools and yeah. underserved communities of color. Um, but our campaign model was five plus one equals 20, which is we teach these kids how to screen for early detection for the five diseases uh, that cause the life expectancy gap. I'm sure you could guess them because if you're a black or brown person, you've got people in your family with them it's hypertension, diabetes, HIV, AIDS, cancer, and asthma.
0: Mm
1: um so we t- we teach these seven through 12th graders how to screen for early detection because these are not death sentences right? right if you catch them early enough you can beat them right so after they go through our curriculum they then find 10 people in their family or in their community and they perform those screenings for them so even if you're black or brown older generation folks don't trust the doctor um they can still get pre-screened to know if there's something wrong and then it gives them more of a reason to go right right so that's what the youth Health Service Corps is right um, We called it five plus one equals 20 because it's five screenings plus one lifestyle change right food and exercise equals 20 more years of life hmm. Everybody's like five plus one don't equal 20 right but for us it does right. Um, that plus one though that lifestyle change we realized very soon that black and brown people, actually any person has a hard time with that. right It's a hard to change your diet. It's hard to prioritize your physical fitness. And so that's when Healthy Hood was created. And out of Healthyhood, you know, we do a, a lot of different things. It's really a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. We say it's a social justice and community approach to health and wellness because it is a social justice issue. And so we do a variety of things, uh, you know, affordable fitness classes, we do mental health services, we do a free food program. We pop up in all type of neighborhoods and do testing and COVID vaccines and so forth. And so that's really the basis of our organizations. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'm always say our. Right. I don't say mine because it, it is a community organization. And it's definitely modeled after the Black Panther Party, whom of which my father was a part of here in Chicago right. in the Rainbow Coalition. And so we call them survival programs. And they are by the people for the people. They may have started as ideas of mine in my brain, but... It's the people who really brought them to life. So that's right. that's really what what I do. I, I can't like describe myself without saying all that. Right? right? No, definitely. Um, it's super long winded, but <laughs> I, you know that's the gist. I'm sure we'll get into more. Yeah.
0: You did a great job, and uh you know, salute to you and all that you do, um, your family, and and just you know where you come from. And I think that's very important, right? Um, talking about family because ultimately they're who raised us and as a child they're who teaches us what is right what is wrong what's accepted what's not accepted so a lot of the things that we do as adults are predicated on how we were raised as children Um, and that that's good or bad you know that's why mental health and and dealing with things like that is imperative so that way people can truly find and discover who it is that they are and where they're trying to go um, so, and with that, you know, going into being heavy in the activist space, obviously it's, it's in your lineage, it's in your family. But at what point did you, Tanya, come to terms and realize, you know, this is a calling of mine, This is something that I have a passion for. It's not just something in the family. When, when, when did you experience that or realize that in your life?
1: I wouldn't say it was like a, a moment in time. It wasn't like an epiphany moment. And I think, especially in America, we we uh, romanticize the epiphany moment. Right. Um, it was definitely gradual. And it took a lot of inner work to, to get to that point. And um, so I wouldn't say... In high school, I was already practicing so many organizer skills because I had just like innately almost, you know got it through my parents, right? Because that's all I was around. So that's how they moved. And so that's just naturally how I moved. Right. And But even then, like in high school, I organized a couple of walkouts, you know, and did some protests while I was in school and so forth. And um, I was organizing, but it wasn't the same as, as, you know, really knowing your purpose and how to do it, right? And so um, I would say it really wasn't until college Really, not until I re- until I decided that I didn't want to go to college anymore. That's when I realized it. Um, my father is a Harvard graduate. He went to Garrett, uh, Garrett uh, Seminary, so he has his master's in, in divinity, and he's a very educated man, right? Yeah. And um, since I was little, he always told, told me and my sister, like, go to college. You, you need to get educated. Education is important, blah, 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 right? But for me, I was an athlete, so... Like, it was important. It was also somewhat easy for me, but I didn't care too much about it. Right. But when I got to college, I realized how it just was so different than what I had experienced. I had only ever gone to schools in underserved communities before that. My sister got to go to one of them selective enrollment schools. Remember when the selective enrollment CPS school started? Yeah. So she got to go to one of those, right, because she was super, super duper smart or whatever. But I just kind of hopped around. I went to an alternative school. I went to a CPS school. I went to um, a Catholic school my freshman year. And I just, the quality of education was so ridiculously different than when I went to college. And in all aspects, Like it was just like for the first time, I myself felt the disparities. Right. Like, even though I grew up in the hood, that was our norm like that. Everybody right. understood that as our reality. Right? right. So it just it never felt like anything was really that wrong. You know, it was just. But then when I went and I got that experience, I was just like, man, this is crazy. Right. These white people over here live in large. Yeah. I mean, like they're not only are they super rich, but then they have access to all the, these resources. Right. And so when I decided, I, number one, I was miserable because I was I just didn't like my experience. Like I said, I had only ever been around only people of color, like my whole life. And then you go to college and you're like, oh,
0: right. It's no experience. There's
1: only 4% of us here out of the 100% of white people who, go. you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just, it was so different and I, I just was so miserable. So I decided that I didn't want to go there anymore. And when I came back, I was like, there was certain things that I had learned in college that I'm like, oh, we could figure out how to do this our way. Right. And, and and that that's really when I was like, this is my passion. Like I wanna be able to create systems that look like us, that were created by us instead of fighting and, and struggling and, and you know, clawing our way to get to what they've created, right? Which is this university experience. And then after that you get to break into their corporate world and all of that. Like I didn't wanna do that. I wanted to create something different, but I knew I could use certain things that I had already learned. So it was in college, I would say when I felt the disparities for myself, and then I yeah. would go home every weekend, cause I went to North Central College in Naperville, Illinois.
0: Right, my sister went there. No way. Yeah,
1: she was one of the four <laughs> percent. <laughs> she definitely went there. That's crazy. Um, I wonder what her experience was like, cause mine wasn't great. But I would go home every weekend, cause I hated it there, you know. And it wasn't far, so I took the metro train. Right. Every weekend, came after basketball practice, I came see my mom. And stood with her and then went back. She gave me enough money every week just to come back. So yeah. um, So I was going back and forth. So you see it every weekend, you see it. You right. see the difference, and you're like, this is right. this, this is nuts. like we, we don't live far from each other, and y'all over here living like this. this is wild, you know So it was definitely that. it was that. It was like, and then for the first time in my life, I heard from their own mouths how they truly process and think about things, like in class. I remember talking about uh, the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki I was I was majoring in political science at the time uh-huh. and um, how they justify it in their brains mm-hmm. even the younger generation after we've seen all of the repercussions and how it's messed with those people generations and generations because we decided to drop the, those bombs on them right and they still justify it they still find ways to justify it you know there's a and, and I just Remember thinking like, I had so much faith in humanity, and then going there being like, "Wow, there's there's so much wrong with us," you know, right. like so, we got to so figure it out.
0: Where, where do you think the disconnect is between um, different communities?
1: It has a lot to do with we don't talk to each other. Right. A lot of those white people over there, we was the first people of color they ever met in their lives. Right. You know, and it's not an excuse, but you 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 don't see it. You don't, you didn't go into our neighborhoods to see the difference. Like I'm coming to yours just to get an education. You know what I mean? Like, and also like, it's, it's a communication thing, bro. It's a communication thing. Cause at this point, what we realize now with this whistleblower, this Facebook whistleblower is that they're getting only what they want to get. Right. Even on social media, the information you're receiving is catered to you. Right. So we can't even blame them now that all this information is, is accessible, right? And you can see it, and you can, and the data is there, and, and how these life expectancy gaps exist, and how these educational disparities exist, and all of that. It don't matter, cause they're not seeing that. Right. They're seeing what they want to see, you know. They're seeing whatever continues to make money for the system. So, and it and it helps. It helps them for us to be polarized. It makes them more money. So. I mean that's really what it is right it's capitalism
0: right and, and and program minds right at the end of the day um life is all about what you agree upon right perspectives are mainly how a person projects life to be based on their experiences and the things that they believe to be true you know you could look at religion for example at the end of the day you know each religious each religious sector truly believes what it is they believe so much so that they live the life that's based on that it's parallel and so um in these communities and just for myself you know one of the things just naturally i wasn't by default um put into a position to thrive right i I grew up poor you know um secondhand clothes right going going to the food pantry and, and and waiting in line with everybody else to get food, um, those were normalities to me, right? And at the same time, those normalities that were presented to me by the lifestyle I was born in created a mindset that I led with. And that is how I projected the world to be. And you know, one of the things that you know, I, I, I like about what you do is, um, whether you see it or not, is the world that you live in is your world right, your ideas, um, how you feel, how you think, and you're taking your world and you're creating cohesive experiences in other worlds to create a collective understanding, a collective agreement among people who can be in this world and operate under certain, uh, uh, you know, uh, characteristics and attributes and principles, right, for the desire to have a successful outcome for a particular group of people. You know, and, you know, when it comes to those things, for me, even personally, uh, I've gotten to a particular point because I had to experience all of that, even in business. Right. Here I am in business, CEO of my own agency, you know, right. you know, now we've got clients all over doing some great things. It's amazing. But in the origin story of it, I remember feeling like, OK, here I am. I have to look a particular way. I have to sound a particular way right? I, I couldn't just be me and still be CEO. There comes a particular stigma that comes with that title. There comes a particular way of uh, of having to look when you're among different people. And in those categories growing up, all you see, all you seen was white men. And so here I am, you know, scared to look like something and be like something. Now, i just throw this on. I walk into a meeting with top CEO of agencies all over, presidents, and and that was something that I didn't do because I was I was unsure that I was adequate you know I w- I knew what I had that's why I was coming but I didn't know if they would accept me just off of first you know pr- how they see how they see me at first because it's natural for a human being to make a judgment off of first impression it's natural for a human being to judge a book by its cover before they actually read it right because that's that's what you know us in our minds where it's like our radar we're trying to figure out how and who and when to operate and act in particular ways and you know me personally i believe that that has a lot to do with the disparity we also see in these communities right because there's there it's a paradigm and we need a paradigm shift and that comes with like you know you mentioned getting that particular knowledge right because my separation between being the person i am now and the owner of an agency and how I look and how I dress now, the separation of understanding came when I recognized that, yeah, I'm sitting in front of the you know, big shot, whatever, but he's a man just like me. And if God let him go, he's going to drop into a million pieces just like me. He eats like me, thinks like me, you know, in terms of here on this earth, what was my separation? And it was the understanding of one, I am able, I am good enough, I am adequate, I do have everything that I need, recognizing and realizing that all the resources and everything that I need is already within inside of me and everything I'm looking for is not external but internal and it was in those moments where I recognized, all right, like this is deeper than that. This really isn't about the tie, the dress up, you know what I'm saying, the suit jacket, looking like this, acting like this, laughing at some jokes that weren't funny, you know what I mean? Like just all those different things, but saying, you know, let me present myself. Let me present how I think and who I am. And if that ain't good enough, then this ain't for me, you know, and obviously there comes a sense of, you know, being humble along the way and operating in in humility and gratitude. Those are important because you can lose sight of what's important if you don't have that, especially gratitude. But in terms of, you know, the community, what are some things that you feel are holding, you know, our communities back, you know, mentally what, you know, mentally? Um what do you feel some of those things are that you've experienced yourself or have seen? That's a good question. Uh
1: It's this concept of we're in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. We're playing the oppression Olympics and we're trying to measure each other's levels of oppression and decide who needs it or deserves it more or all of that. Right. That has been a huge hurdle for as long as I can remember and I know it was a hurdle even for my parents generation and for my grandparents generation. I'm talking about in the community of activism or social action, social justice, like we get scraps, right? To do community work. And so what happens is when those scraps get put out, we fight for them. But there's this huge pool of resources. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about resources that exists. But because we get distracted over fighting over the scraps, we never come together to demand the rest. Mm -hmm. What we deserve as communities of color. We're too busy fighting with each other. We're too busy fighting with each other. There's also something really deep in us, and it comes with with the... Mental states that we've developed over the course of just surviving through systemic oppression and uh, in a structural inequality, right, is that we are harboring a lot of unprocessed trauma. Right. And so what happens is when you harbor unprocessed, and I, I say this because I'm a, I'm a church person, right? My parents mm-hmm. are both pastors. I didn't mention that I'm a PK. I'm actually in the process of becoming a pastor right now myself. Nice. And if you ever watch those exorcism movies, uh-huh. right? When they talk about those demons, those, that's an energy of negativity, of unpro, unprocessed trauma. When you carry a, carry that with you and you allow it to control who you are, then you start to do things even to your own brothers and sisters right. that are not even a reflection of who you truly are, but a reflection of that negative energy that has been building up inside of you. Right. And that consists of, if you don't say it the way I want you to say it and do it the way I think you should do it, then I'm going to... Not like you. And right. I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to collaborate with you. I'm going to cancel you. That's the energy within our community that I see that is is a super hurdle for us, man. Like, we have to have grace with each other. We have to have a level of under- understanding. And the first, I would say, like, the first step to even creating that level of grace within our communities is to have it with yourself. Right. Because you make mistakes. I make mistakes. I, I've made so many mistakes in my life. And... I had to come to to the point where I'm like, I forgive you because that's all you knew. That's all I knew. That's how I was raised. That's the, like you said, my experience shaped my perception and they, and they, and they guided me to make certain decisions. And that doesn't mean that they were right. And a lot of them were wrong, but I got to be able to say, I forgive you, but learn from them and change as you move forward. But we don't do that for ourselves. And as a result, we don't do that with each other. Right. Right. Instead of saying, listen, I think you could have did this, this, and this better, And this is how I think you could have did it. And let's maybe let me help you. Let me contribute in some way to you doing it that way. Uh, Instead, we're like, nah, you did this wrong. And for that, you don't deserve to be in that role or in the place that you play right right now. You know, like I during the pandemic, when I did the black and brown unity rally, I got dragged through the mud. People were calling me anti black because my mom uh, said somebody's name wrong on stage. My mom did not me. Right. And after that, I was anti black. And my organization was anti-black mind you i have a co-founder who is a black woman my dad was in the black panther party i have two afro latino children right but nobody cares about all that right they're taking something out of context and say you didn't do this right and because you made this mistake this is who you are right. you are this mistake right and that's the problem we have in our community we all make mistakes and our community is going to make a lot of them right because we have a lot of trauma yeah we have a lot of People have been oppressive to us our entire lives. We know nothing else. Right. And all we know is that we're harboring all that negative energy. Why do you think our kids are killing each other? Why do you think they're so full of anger? Why do you think they're ready to give? That? Pulling the trigger is uh, from both sides. If you're on this side of the gun or you're on the other side, both of those can end your life. Right. You go to jail for life, you come out, you're in the system our kids go in and out after that right the other kid gets shot ruins his physical abilities or maybe shoots him dead they're willing to put their lives on the line like that because they don't they don't have anything left you know right. but we don't have no grace with them even especially with the older generation i can't tell you how many times they talk about gang members as if they're just bad people right or not even people just badness right in our community but are our kids right our uncles some of them are even our fathers, grandfathers. You right. know what I mean? Like, but we don't have no grace with each other. And I know it's because we don't have grace with ourselves.
0: A hundred percent. No, definitely. And one of the things that uh, I, like to say, I like to say is we can only meet each other at the depths in which we've met ourselves. And that trauma that we're dealing with and we've been dealing with for decades it's scary to actually have to go inside and deal with those things because it requires accountability. It requires you taking account for all the things that you know you need to do. It requires challenge. It requires change. It requires you to be uncomfortable. And it might require you to, like you said, operate in grace for somebody who doesn't deserve it, but that's what grace is.
1: Because they ain't there
0: yet. Right. And that and obviously that ties into like, you know, dealing with like mental health, right? Being able to have those conversations with yourself are vital to your growth. And we're distracted as as a people and even as a generation with just everything that's so accessible to us, that we don't take the time to deal with what we need to deal with behind closed doors. And so here we are lacking on doing those things that we need to deal with behind closed doors. And now we're in the public And so what's going to be coming out of us is everything that's been influencing us. And it's all the distractions, especially social media and the things that you see on social media, right? All these things are programming us to think a particular way, to act a certain way, to respond a certain way, right? And so our outcome at the end of the day of where we are in our life is an example of what we've been influenced by. And so for me, I think the question is what are we being influenced by to position us to where we're at and what do we need to do in order to get to the next place that's out of that oppression that's out of that state of mind because i believe you know oppression is, is it's a mindset you know at the end of the day if if i am you could have two people who go through the exact same thing and the outcomes be different because of how they responded to it and that response 10 times out of 10 is because they are pulling from a particular place within inside themselves that they're operating on, right? Or they have certain people in their lives that are giving them, you know, some wisdom and some knowledge and some direction and some leadership, which is obviously something that lacks in many places. And so here we are trying to find ourselves and a lot of times we get caught up, like I had mentioned, in this world, this, this world that's being created not by us, before us, rather than recognizing your own world and the things you need to do to add to that and the things you need to do to be able to get to the next level and the things you need to do not just for yourself but for your children and your children's children. And I think that's another thing that we don't recognize is everything that we're currently doing now is gonna have an effect on generations to come, but we're so self-centered and self-minded that we don't recognize that. We just think that this is the moment, this is what it is and it is what it is. And what that does is that continues the cycle. And so, you know, you know, operating in these communities, what, what what are some of the things that that you've noticed that we lack resource wise? I know you mentioned like school and stuff like that. You addressed that, but what are some of the big things um, that keep this type of segregation, even in the city of Chicago, as as strong as it is now?
1: First and foremost, we don't have a lot of bridges of communication and and that's been purposely done to us right like right. black people scared to go in our neighborhoods and vice versa and and so forth and and a lot of those things are not real you right. know they've been created because the more that we do come together and have communication we start to see we're very similar right but that's not what the system wants it like i said it it capitalizes off polarizing us right Right, and and it allows space for those distractions to to happen, and then we get caught up in them distractions. What we lack, I believe, is revolutionary structure. We need structure. So, especially with this younger generation, it seems like we're very reluctant to authority or any kind of of structure because of everything that we've dealt with, right? right, with the current systems. And then also this the idea that we need to work within the current system and use it so that we can do something better for our community and then we see that black and brown people who get to a level of success within the system because they have to work within the system then they don't come back to the neighborhood. Right. And they don't bring those resources back. They don't pave a new way. They just continue to and then and then we get we get cont- content with the idea that as because I made it, at least I'm showing my neighborhood or people like me that they can make it and I don't got to do anything else. That's what I'm doing for them. Right. No, that's not what you're doing for them. And that's not enough. And people need to be very clear about that. When we we, we keep circulating this this idea that you got to leave the hood to survive. You got to leave the hood to be successful. You know, you go to school, you get all these resources, you, you get all these skills and then you move out.
0: Right.
1: So, yeah, you're showing people that the 5% of us who make it out make it out you're not contributing to more of us making it out by leaving what you're doing is you're not bringing any of those resources back so that they that your community can benefit from them or you're not teaching nobody else those skills you're keeping them for yourself and it's all a part like you said you know you're thinking about yourself you're not thinking about how this is going to affect future generations of of people of color or whatever and and that's you're right that's one of the main Main challenges we have we we can't keep saying we can, we're not all going to be jay Z okay
0: right right <laughs> exactly
1: you know what I mean, so you know you go to school you, or you go, you learn any it doesn't matter you don't even have to go to school anymore like university is not the only way to succeed but if you if we keep succeeding and leaving then we're we're contributing to this cycle of only five percent of us being able to be successful or even knowing that there's an alternative right, and a revolutionary structure means that Within the structure, let's say you're, you you consider yourself a member of this collective community of resistance. That's what I call it, but it could be just a collective community of of um, you know people who think alike or change makers who people who seek change or whatever. But when you when you honor that role in the, in the collective community, then you know that you have a responsibility to that. For however long you're a part of it, and for me, it should be forever because we come from people of color. We are people of color, and white people definitely see us as people of color, not, not like them. Right. So we do have a responsibility, but we don't have a structure. And even like now with the nonprofit sector, the community organization world and all of that, we keep talking about how we there's so many more people that have been awakened over the last year who've even started their own organizations. Beautiful missions, they're going hard for all these different things they've created. But there's no umbrella revolutionary structure that connects us all. Right. So, you know, for example, in the Black Panther Party, the definition of power was to identify a phenomenon and make it move in a desired manner. If you don't have a collective revolutionary structure, then everybody's gonna identify a phenomenon differently. Right. So you can't move nothing right. when you need to, right. you know. And, and, and it, it matters to have the flexibility and the space to create a lot of different things because we have a lot of different problems we got to address. So it makes sense that everybody's creating things to deal with those issues. But like I said, it, you just start to create these little islands of equality very far from each other. They don't communicate with each other. And you still got a whole ocean of injustice around you. Right. But until we talk, these little islands that are being created, because there's so many more now, Start to talk to each other, and there's a revolutionary structure. Then you know we're not we're not gonna be able to really move right. very far.
0: Right. And obviously that's a super um, big challenge here in Chicago alone. You know you got people from different sides of the city who mean well within the side that they're in, but they lack that communication as well. And so that bridge of communication doesn't happen. So there's no crossovers of understanding, and here we are still in the same cycle but you know, things aren't, and we, but we feel like things are well, but we're still even operating with great intent under a structure. That's the same structure that's creating our demise. And so being able to loose ourselves from those shackles are super important, but I believe that that comes with having a particular mindset with truly understanding who we are as individuals and how we are all connected in totality of life. Like You know, I I believe 100% that the hell that we have on this earth is in us or the heaven that we have on this earth is in us. We create hell or or we create heaven because it's all within our mind. You can have people who have the greatest lives, rich, successful, right, quote, what everybody calls the great life, but still be miserable inside. And so that always led me to believe if that is so, how important is what's going on internally? How much more important is that than what's happening externally? And for me, that that, that changed my life forever. It, it gave me a different perspective. It made me take responsibility over my life. It made me take responsibility over myself. It made me recognize how to love me more and in turn, how to love people more. It made me not see certain things that weren't going to provide a needed perspective for things to propel itself and move forward. It just put me in a place like, all right, I'm speaking to this individual. I hear this person, and I know what they're going through just by the words that they use, the vernacular, right? How they express themselves, their tonalities, just the energy, their spirit. And you can recognize fully what is holding someone's life and and their heart and their perspective on what life is. And when you truly do the, those deep dives and deep works within yourself, it allows you to operate in that empathy. It allows you to operate in that grace that you need and meet that person at that place that they're at and understand that person at the place that they're at and not just you know, uh, have a layer of judgment as, as the foundation. But now you're able to recognize what is and what is not from a perspective that wasn't taught but from a perspective of what is felt you know, inside that we can't deny, and, you know, for me, just obviously, you know, being from Chicago as well, it, it's true that you could live here, and not go anywhere, just be in your neighborhood, you know, uh, you know, me, I'm originally from Humboldt Park, uh, my mother's Puerto Rican, and, um, but, I, you know, I've lived all over, 79th, uh, 55th, and it wasn't until I left Chicago that I recognized there was more than Chicago. You know, like especially when you're a child, you know, um, everything was Chicago. this wasn't even Illinois, this was Chicago. And when I left for the first time, I got to experience different worlds, different people, different perspectives that were a hundred percent different from mine. not how my mom raised me, not how my father taught me to think it's completely different. But there was something about it for me that I liked because I felt I was gaining insight. I felt I was gaining knowledge because one thing one of my instructors once told me, he said, Frankie, you don't have it all together, but together you have it all. And in every community, in every groups of people, there are certain things that they do great and very well that is needed in other places and vice versa. And when we begin to recognize how great we are as individuals and what we bring to the table, the, conversa- the conversation changes, it's a little bit different. Because I'm less focused on what I don't have and focused on what I do have. And so a lot of times we 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 find ourselves in in disparity trying to be better in our weakest moments or not even better in our weakest moments, like our our things that we're not great at, we want to be better at versus focusing on the things that we're great at and utilizing that to be the talent to open the door. Because your talents, your skills, your giftings are going to open doors for you. That's, that's going to make room for you. Right, and so one of the things that I, I hope to encourage and hope that people begin to recognize is the beauty within themselves that they already have and have been given since birth, you know, since before it all started. And I think that that's one of the things that we're truly distracted from, because somebody who knows that gifting and somebody who has that understanding, you, you you're not feeling like you're competing. You're not feeling inadequate. You know, yeah, you have your days. You have your bad days, per se, if it's a bad day, um, but an off day, right? You, you, you'll recognize things, but those are still internal things that self is trying to come to terms with understanding what it means and what it said, right? Especially, you know, like our, our parents, how they raised us. It's because your parents raised you don't mean they raised you right. And so here we are dealing with things from our past and, and, and child trauma, and things that we've seen and heard right, that now really exist in our mind because it's the first seven to eight years in a child's brain that develops their subconscious mind. And we live our life through our subconscious. It's very rare or very small of a percentage that we actually live through our conscious mind. If we were more conscious, we'd be making better decisions. And so the way to make better decisions is to, in those conscious moments, train our subconscious mind to act out for us in the way we want best. Like there's many things that are going on in my life where I'm like, how is this even happening? And then I think logically, I'm like, because for the last decade, you've made so many conscious decisions that now it's so ingrained in your subconscious mind that you're doing it without even knowing you're doing it. It's like when you get in a car and you drive home, I don't need to think about making a left or a right or this slide or that, I I already know. I could literally be doing completely something else and I'm getting home. And it's that understanding that I think we need to teach our communities because that programmed mind is still being influenced by things that aren't going to get us to where we're going because it's like every moment we're trying to make conscious decisions and we're loud and we're proud, conscious decision, conscious decision, but yet we've not trained our subconscious mind to get us out of those, those places, those trenches. And we're steady being influenced by things that aren't going to do that for us. And so the examples we have are examples that are, that are, that Anomalies. Right. And so these anomalies like your Jay Z's, these anomalies like like, you know, um, your Obama's, your, your Oprah's. Those are great stories to be influenced by and be motivated by. Motivation is important, but motivation dies as well. It's it's the discipline with understanding that this is something that I want for myself and also knowing that I can't duplicate a Oprah or I can't duplicate a Jay Z. I am me. And so in that understanding, in that motivation, what can I take from that that I know is going to be able to get me to the next level, but still be me and not self-sabotage who God made me to be and keep that authenticity. And so I feel like a, a, a big thing that's a huge hindrance just in people in general around the world. Right? Like I mean, you, you go to a different part of the world, you go to China, there's not many blacks anyways. This is Chinese and them then within themselves have their sec you know levels of classism and you know, just different things like that and you know, South Korea and Canada, all over. We're all dealing with a similar oppression. And so when when I scan the world and I recognize that reality, it, it puts me in a place to think like, then what is it? Like, like, what's deeper than just now, or what's deeper than just Chicago, or what's deeper than just America? Like, what's really going on? And so, for me, I feel like that is the place we need to get to because that place is where sources. That's the that that's the answer. That's where everything exists. You know. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Oh, first of all, in my opinion, you got to come up outside yourself. Mm-hmm. to understand yourself mm-hmm. because it it wasn't until but I was in a really I was in a 10 year long abusive and toxic relationship with the father of my children and I was still doing stuff you know but it, it definitely wasn't it wasn't a reflection who I was for real because right. I was working through this filter of trauma abuse you know insecurity all that right. stuff but i had to i had to go I, was, I had left the church for a while and i just was after you go to school for religion cuz that's what i was going for political science and religion and you learn of all of the crazy shit that religion has done to right. specifically people of color you start to you know rethink like what is this right. you know like do i really want to be a part of this right. maybe not you know so i had left the church for a while and then i made my way back because i had just been stuck in that relationship for so long and when you're in a cycle like that, a toxic, abusive cycle like that, it doesn't matter how many times you try to get out. You keep going back.
0: Right. You revert because to what you a know. Because it's a cycle. Right.
1: You know? And until you change something in your life, then it's just going to keep happening. And so I returned back to the church because I finally had to be like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to get out of this. I've tried so many times. I have to finally come to terms with, like, I need help. Mm -hmm. I need something, a a way to change who I am because I'm the one doing this. I'm doing this to myself. I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going back. And so when I went to God, finally, at that point, I was in a a level of desperation. Right. And because I was in a level of desperation, I was able to completely humble myself Mm -hmm. and give it. Give it away. Please do whatever you need to do with me so I can change, so I can get out and in the beginning it it wasn't like i started going to church and i didn't feel nothing different you know and it's because i was still analyzing everything through my filters i was still like "Mm, mm, you know i don't really like this i think they're doing this wrong and then i realized like i'm not here for that i'm here for me right and so um i kept going on sundays even though it wasn't working it felt like and then all of a sudden something just clicked and i just had to come outside of myself and look at all the decisions that I had made and realize that I made those decisions. And I had to figure out, number one, like what, what, what happened to me growing up or through the, the things that I've experienced that allow me to get to that place, right? And, and, and then I started to realize, like I got a lot of work to do, you know? And, but now I at least have God. Right. So I don't feel like I'm by myself anymore. And I got out of that relationship and then I blossomed, man, like little by little, the more I put my energy into what God was calling me to do, the more I was able to let go of that relationship. I could tell you right now, like I don't think about that relationship at all anymore. Right. This is two years off of it. Right? right. I don't think about that relationship at all anymore. At one point, that relationship could control my whole life. Right. It could it could ruin my day with a word. It could anything. You know what I mean? Like it controlled me. Right. But it was not until I came out of myself and looked at it. Right. You know, and just was like, nah, this is on you. Right. And you got the power to do this. And now you got the power of God with you and you can get out. And so, you know, and, and it, it what it was too wasn't just God, it was that I had surrounded myself with other people in that church, in church in general. And maybe we don't like the concept of, you know, this uh, structure of religion and all of that. But church, for people of color specifically, is a place where people come together to worship and praise. It's a positive energy. It's a positive experience. And surrounding myself with those people first and then little by little finding new people and talking with them and seeing how they live their lives and how they look at certain situations and how they deal with certain situations. I I got to learn and pick up those things. So then I wasn't just looking at it through my filters anymore. I had examples and alternatives now because I have other relationships. And so, you know, I always I I don't always talk about, you know, my relationship with the father of my kids. But it's important because especially as women of color, it's a it's a normal thing for us. You know, like even though my parents have a beautiful relationship and they've been married my whole life and, and they're partners in life and work and all of that. My sister's dad, my sisters, everybody that I went to school with, all the men that I was around growing up, all of them had these tendencies that are very like they they're everywhere in our community, right? right. Which is that you know you got to know where somebody's at when you're dating them, and you got to be communicating all the time, and it's like all these all these different things um, that were shaping what I thought a relationship was. But until I branched out and started talking to people, I realized all that. That's how. I perceive it because that's all I've ever known, right. but there's other ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why you said when you started traveling, you started to see, oh, it's not just Chicago. It's not just my family. It's not just what I've seen. There's right. so many other things out there. And, and that's why you do. You have to come outside of what you know. You got to come outside of yourself, right. you know, to be able to break those cycles because you have to know that there's even another option. And that's the part. That's why I said grace is so important is because that's what we forget about our brothers and sisters. They ain't never seen no alternative. Right. They've only ever been in their neighborhood. Some of them ain't never even been downtown.
0: This is fact. Some people have never passed Roosevelt Eighteenth so, Street.
1: So we over here are judging people off their mistakes. Right. When all they've ever seen was those mistakes being made over and over and over again. Right. It makes me emotional because I know that like where I am in my journey now, the inner work that I've done, and I always, you know. I, We're growing, we're evolving every single day, so we should never feel like we know everything. There'll be one day where I'll I'll hear something somebody said and I'm like, oh, that changes how I believe about all this stuff, right? right? You just always have to have space to grow, but we have to look at our brothers and sisters like, what options are we giving them? Are we over here judging them, but what are we doing to contribute to giving them an alternative? Because if all they've ever known is abuse and violence, aggressiveness, depression, anxiety, living in fear, living with the idea they may be deported any day, all these different things. What do you expect? Right. You know, and if, if, you know, if you go and you do your inner work and you figure it out, but then you never go back, you never teach nobody that. Right. That's the problem we have. You know, that's the problem we have with our generation, with generations already. It's like, who's going to go back and, and give them that alternative? Right. We're still looking at the same CPS school problems. We're still looking at the same healthcare problems. We're still looking at the same housing problems. And nobody's giving an alternative, right? Uh, or there's people trying, but like I said, they're... They're they're working in silos. Right. So they all have their little little community organizations and they're working on specific issues. But none of them are coming together. None of them have a network that are pointing people to different things because it's all a competition for funding. Right. So, you know, these are systems that we have to realize we can't work within the system. Even if we're using resources within the system, we have to be thinking that we need to construct a new system. Because right. that system will never work for us. None of these systems will. They were broken at their inception. They never were intended to include people of color in the first place. How do we, how do we expect to fix that? There's, not, there's no fixing that. If the core of what these systems were built on is hateful and racist... Then we have to build something new that comes from a different core, and it's gonna come. With, it's gonna have to come with a lot of grace because we gonna make a lot of mistakes. Right. We gonna keep making mistakes because it's all we ever known. So we have to be patient, and you know that's why I really love the Dave Chappelle special. You know, like so if you're just gonna keep bashing this dude, but then you don't ever have a, a conversation with him, sit with him, you're still talking about something that happened ten years ago. Let's have a conversation because maybe. He just doesn't have that the same perception as you. And that's what you realize, right? Like right. When, you, when you hear him and stuff like that, like it's not that he's hateful, you know, it's that he has his perception. And we all have, we just need to come to the table and talk about it right. and start building those bridges. Because if we continue to be segregated like we are in the city and polarize with each other and fight over scraps and all of that, then we're not going to progress. The government, white people, all of them understand, they know the power is with the people. But the people have not been able to be organized in a long time to be able to even identify that they are the power themselves. If you think about the 60s and the civil rights movements in the 60s, the Panthers and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam, like, they was organizing themselves no social media. They didn't even have phones. Right. They didn't even have phones. So how were they able to create a revolutionary structure? Because they did not have phones, they were not distracted by creating little silos. They had to talk to each other if they were going to really bring out numbers of people. And they had to organize with each other. But now we got all these little silos. We all can create our own brands and organizations. And all that is great. But then we get caught up in these communities that we've built. And we don't talk to other ones anymore. Because our community, like you said, Chicago, it becomes your world. Right. Right? But if we want to grow and we want to progress, we have to talk to each other. Right. we have to this me and alan talk about it all the time make the connection make the connection if i meet you and i'm saying like man this would be great for you to meet this person because i already know that you got something that he needs he got something that you need right i'm gonna make the connection and that's that was my role right i don't gotta be let me get my credit i don't gotta be in the middle of y'all stuff i don't gotta do none of that i made the connection and if we keep doing that then we start to build a network a real network not a Social media, you know what I mean. <laughs> not a Facebook. No,
0: <laughs>
1: not where they can then control it because it's real right. people, real bodies. Right, and this you can't control that.
0: Yeah, you know the biggest distance between two people is communication, and that's something that, man, um, c- the lack of communication is tied to fear. The lack of communication is tied to. I want to just say fear, whether it's the fear of being judged, whether whether it's the fear of being misunderstood, whether it's the fear of, of, of what you have to say being taken from you, whether it's the fear of being silenced, right? I feel like that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we don't communicate, is because of fear, and nothing in fear is made to thrive, you know, like like what they say is, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real, it's also an assumption, and and we create these, these stories in our head and in our minds so much so that we believe that they are real and they become a part of our consciousness and our reality is a result of our consciousness and so uh, you know i 100 percent agree with you establishing a sense of co- uh, of communication among communities will help us realize how similar we are to one another how precious we should be and think of one another the, the ability to understand these things and, and help somebody out when, when help is needed and uplift somebody, when, when whether it's just a word of encouragement, just all these things are important and necessary. And, and you know, everybody gets to this point where they're like, oh, well, I ain't going to do it for them if there's nothing attached to it. How many times, even for myself, I recognize at the end of the day, like, what value can you bring somebody? That's what you're here for. You're here to bring value to this world that you live in, not just to live in this world. And so recognizing your role, especially in different places, it's, it could be difficult sometimes, you know, because like, like, like I had mentioned, because of fear, we're afraid to communicate these things. We're afraid to communicate our, uh, um, our insecurities and certain things like that and deal with those things, you know, especially men, you know? We're, we're, we're not taught to to speak up. We're not taught to show our emotions. We're not taught to, you know, have that normal human experience of, of, of having these things in our life. We're taught to man up. You know, we're, 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 we're taught to do this and do that and, and don't deal with what's really happening. And so what happens is, is the household gets the same treatment and people get loved wrong. And people have a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation of what love is. And then that goes into the relationships. And then that goes into the business. And then that goes into the brand. And that goes into every single thing in our life because that's what that's how we are operating. And that's what it's rooted from. The love we experience is the love we're going to give. And so, you know, for anybody in a tough situation, I think one of the most important things is just recognizing what love is to you recognizing how you love to be loved and why right for me i i I love you know the the study of of the brain neuroscience and uh psychology and just all those different things because i've always been obsessed with not what somebody did but why they did it because that's the answer what you did happen why'd you do it what's really going on what's really happening right that is the answer. Like if I do something to you and say something to you does, and then you respond in a particular way is what matters, what I said, or what triggered you? Because I could say the same thing to somebody else and it doesn't affect them. And so understanding those triggers and understanding those deep rooted situations that we have and acknowledging it is how I feel we're going to propel as, as humans, just in general. And so, you know I got a question for you in terms of just all of this what 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 are in your pursuit of what you're doing right you know your goals and putting on events and just being active proactive with intentionality what are some of the challenges within yourself or what are some of the challenges you face on a day-to-day basis or on a consistent basis that you feel um you have to go through while you're still growing and building this and, and, and putting a, a footprint on this world that you want to leave before you go
1: uh, like every other person in any kind of leadership role anxiety is a is a thing you know like i had to you know hit a couple hit my joint a couple of times even walking up here because right. i had to tell myself stop rushing chill out right because uh, i'm i was a little bit late and it makes me super anxious right and then you know on, on a regular basis I'm just always rushing. I feel like I'm always rushing, so that's a challenge for me, you know. Like we, the 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 issue of time. Like we ain't got enough time. I got to get this done. I got to do it right now. It, you know, if I don't put this out when I put it out, it's gonna, you know, all of that stuff. Like it's really more about the intention behind what you're putting than the time, you right. know. And and if you, if, if that's something I had to remind myself. So I have like little things that I that I've you know come like mechanisms that I use, right? Like I, I'm a proud cannabis consumer. I make sure that I say that out loud as much as possible because it's my medicine. And I believe God is in it because it grows from the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like just like meditating and, and reminding myself why I'm doing stuff sometimes mm-hmm. helps me do that. Like, you know, if I'm on my way to something and I'm rushing and I feel like my heart is beating, like I don't want to do it no more because I don't like the way I feel or whatever. I had to tell myself, like, why are you doing this, though? Why is it important? Like, I'm going to Cuba next month for two whole weeks. So it's my first time there. It's really my first time flying internationally in my whole life, you know, and I'm so nervous about it. And every time I get that way, I start to get anxiety. And I had to tell myself, well, why are you doing this? because the purpose is what will prepare you, propel you forward, right. not the motivation. Because like you said, motivation fades, man. I can't explain as long as I've been in this work, which is raised basically since I was born. Right. I've seen highs and lows in the movement for social justice. When I say the movement for social justice, I mean all these issues that we all address. I do healthcare, there's people who do you know, the justice system, there's people who do education, all that. But under the umbrella of social justice, I've seen highs and lows, peaks and falls. George Floyd, peak. Everybody was out on the street. Everybody cared. Everybody was there. Now shit is going back to normal. Things are opening up again. Guess what? It's falling again. You can right. see it declining. You've there, We're not in the streets no more. you know. And it is hard to even organize people to come out to stuff with real bodies now. Right. Unless it's a party. Right. Right? So, you know... That motivation it fades. And so you need to pull from purpose, you know. You have to have that purpose. It gotta continuously remind yourself that there's purpose. But that's a challenge, you know, like as much inner work as you do, there'll always be those those kinds of challenges. There'll always be those times where you question yourself or you act or you know, where you let something get a hold of you. There's also triggers. Right. You know, like like I said, I'm rushing on the general, always. I'm always, what's next? What's next? Right. On top of that, if there's a trigger, then that gets right. escalated, right? It mm-hmm. gets magnified, you know. So then you, you know, even in those circumstances, you gotta be able to be like, why is this a trigger? You know, and what do I do to help fix this? Because I don't want it to be a trigger for my whole life. And this is what I've been talking to people like healing is a process, right? Right? But you ain't supposed to stay in that. Right. There has to be something that propels you forward. That moves you forward, out of the trauma, right. out of that. And if you don't know what that is, then you're gonna stay in that healing process forever. Right. And the, and it what that means is you haven't let go of that trauma. Right. You're still healing from it. You're still and that's fine, you know. But if you it, until you have something that will propel you forward, you'll stay there. Right. And I think we especially now with mental health being such a thing right now, because we were growing up.
0: Right. It was not a thing. Definitely wasn't a topic.
1: was if I look back on my time in college, I was clearly depressed. Right. Clearly depressed and miserable. And um, but that wasn't a thing. My mom was like, drink some coffee here, you know, right. like get your life together. You're in college. You're like none of us got to do that, you know. So now we're in a situation where everybody talks about mental health and everybody has anxiety. Everybody has depression. Everybody can't go to sleep. All my nieces and nephews on melatonin. Like, you know, it's become almost like a trend here, you know, and we have to ask ourselves, like, why is this trending? Is it really because of us or is it because something that we're being fed or is it because we don't have the proper tools to get ourselves up out of that shit? Right. And it's true. Because we start to become content, like, I'm in my healing journey,
0: right. and
1: this is where I am, right. and this is what's cool, I'm going to drink my green juice and burn my sage, and like, yeah, 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 that's great. But we have to get up out of that process at some point, and if you don't know what's going to propel you forward, then that's why you're still in it. So finding your purpose has to be completely in alignment with the healing process, otherwise the healing process is going to last forever. Right. And that's a challenge, because we go with the trends. This is what TikTok is so big, and Instagram and all that, right? Right. Because that's what our worlds have have become. Right. So, you know, I, I literally had this conversation yesterday, like, man, you're not just supposed to stay in that, you know? Like, I, if I think about healing, I'm, yeah, I'm, you're always healing. There's always stuff happening to you. But if you're just like, I'm still broken from this. I'm still broken from this. I'm still healing from this. I'm still healing from this. And you keep carrying that, then you're not really... Right. Re- reaching You've, not, healing. Let you're, you're You've not, not let it go. You're not. You're not.
0: You're holding on. It's almost like it's become comfortable to be hurt. You're, it's you, become
1: your identity. Right.
0: It's become your identity. 100%. You are, it's a normality. This is how life's supposed to be now.
1: And I have my triggers. Right. And that's just what it is.
0: And that's just, you know, I had that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I've had that conversation many times. I actually had something on IG um, that I put out there. And I was basically talking about self-awareness and I'm like, self-awareness is not you saying, this is how I am and that's just what it is. No, that's a lie. And that's you not taking accountability. That's you not saying, okay, this is who I am, but there are things I need to change. This is who I am, but this isn't getting me the outcome I want. Logically, we need to put ourselves in a position and think like this, okay, if this is where I wanna be, let me reverse engineer it. All right. Boom, 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 boom. Going back. Now I can see steps and does how I operate align with those steps moving forward. And it's not saying it's going to be a perfect journey forward, but at least I have a way to navigate and something to use as a metric to determine my growth. Because as you mentioned, we are always healing. Absolutely. But when we take things with a different perspective in healing and recognizing that it is what we do with that time that heals and our intentionality with that time that heals us because time don't heal all time might hide some stuff, put some stuff in a closet it
1: can make it worse. To, right. Too. To,
0: right. And, and you'll know when something is happening because you are in a particular way that the outcome looks like this. Clearly you're not healed there to be healed is a complete metamorphosis, a complete, more, you you've come to a place of completion, and yeah, there are certain categories and sectors that we heal from, and we're and we're in the process of healing. But are you gonna heal your entire life? Are you gonna be healing for the next? When are you gonna be able to enjoy a healed heart? Is it always gonna be in that place? But it's what happens is people get trapped. They get trapped in that place because that becomes something that they only know that. And so now they attract those similar people or when the right thing comes around, they don't know how to handle that. And so they self-sabotage, self-sabotage that situation. And now then that's dismissed and it becomes a cycle, a continuous cycle, especially in relationships, you know, man, that that's like a huge issue in all communities, but especially our communities. Who you hang around and who you spend your time with will ultimately define and and sculpt who you become. Because as human beings, one of two things happen. One, we're either influencing or two, we're being influenced. And you can't avoid either. It will happen. And so it's like when you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out, right? What is inside when pressure is being applied will come out. What you're constantly filling yourself up with, especially, and I'm saying that in terms of people, is the people you're around are gonna be constantly putting words in your head. By default, not even intentionally, because that's how they think. And so you got people who say, man, this is just how it always is. That's how it's always gonna be then. Listen to what you say. Your words are powerful. Your words are magic, and you're either practicing white magic or black magic. That's why when you spell, it's a spell. In the beginning was the word, it has always been. Your word is everything. And so acknowledging the words that we use, especially when it comes to how we speak about ourselves and the collective we're around is so important. And that's why I got my mirrors here. I I put words of affirmation on all my things or things that I want to remember to constantly remind myself because I am my biggest prophet. I am my biggest voice and I'm the thing that's going to declare what it is I am and what I'm not. And the important thing and the reality why it's important to have people around you who can speak into your life in a good way is because you can agree with what somebody said. I can tell you like an example I give. If I say when you're a little girl, you're ugly and you agree with it for the rest of your life growing up, you're going to think you're ugly. That's how powerful a word is. Or for example, like somebody had mentioned on my last podcast, you said, I asked, can you come to the podcast? You said yes. And you're here. Your whole life today was adjusted because of our word. That's how powerful our word is in our lives. It, it controls everything. It leads everything. And so, you know, one of the things I want to challenge people who are listening is look at your life and examine the words you've been using. And see if there's any correlation, because I promise you there is. I promise you that the words you've been using uh, on your children, the words you've been using on yourself, the words you've been using when when, when that moment comes where you're actually tested to speak life in a situation, but you don't. Look at that. What's really happening? And these are things that you have to become more conscious and aware of. And things even for myself, like, you know, certain words I'll use, I'm like, oh, no, no, that, that ain't the word. That's not the word. I can't come into agreement with that word, and just some science for people out there: sound waves never die. This is a scientific fact that your every word that you've ever spoken literally exists in the universe forever. It just becomes obviously you know more flatlined, but it exists. So how much? So how powerful is your word? It's immensely powerful, and so I think in our communities, the things that need to change are our words. When we can start changing our words, then we can start changing how we think. Like they say, when you change how you think, you could change what you say. When you change what you say, you could change how you do. When you change what you do, you could change your habits. When you change your habits, you could change your character. And when you change your character, you could change the rest of your life. I think it's just so much more simple if we pull back and recognize how are we really, like you said, are we operating in that grace? How do I speak to you when I'm upset? Am I killing you with my words? H- how do I speak to you in, in moments where it's tough? Because that tends to put the most energy out, right? Especially when we're mad and upset. And one of the things that I've learned is not to, think, not to take things personal. Like, th- I mean, I've always known that, but it's like even recently, I- I- I've read this book called The Four Agreements, um, and, you know, in that, one of the agreements is to not take things personal and when you learn to not take things personal what you've just done is you've introduced yourself to a life of peace Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where it's just like all right bet like that's a projection of them i'm not taking it personal that has literally nothing to do with me that's you so I i can't come into agreement with you and then alter my peace and alter my joy i'm gonna keep that freedom and by all means, no doubt, that's how you feel. Has no effect on me. And that's a choice that has to be made. And I feel like these principles, if they're being taught in communities that need it most, it's our communities. And if we come into come in there with that type of mentality, I feel like that's, gonna, that's what's going to change. Like When I was younger, for like three years, four years, I used to actually travel... Um, around the country and going to inner city communities i mean projects the, the hood of the hoods i mean like like even cops are like why are you here like this is crazy and one of the things that we would do when we go into these project homes or different hoods is we would establish order we would put on an event and at that event we would have you know we would teach people life skills give them food you know give them a good message just just creating some type of camaraderie among their own community that they never see And what that taught me is it's possible, it's possible, but it's going to require how we utilize our words among, among one another. What, What, what am I proclaiming over you? What am I saying that you are? Because there's a high probability you're not strong enough to disagree. And so you get offended because you agreed. And that offense leads to everything else in our life, you know? And so what, what, what's one of the things for you that that's a pillar in your life that you hold to, that keeps you going.
1: Hmm. Well, grace. But I didn't learn grace until like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like you hear it all the time, especially if you're a church kid. You hear it all the time. Right. But you don't know what it is until like you really encounter it or if you like, find, like for, that was an epiphany moment for me. The grace thing like it's the same like it's the same as don't take anything personal that's grace right it's great it's the same thing but you can't do it until you're there right because up until that point you're still like you said you're you all that all that stuff you have inside all those influences all those negative feelings right when you're under pressure that's what comes out but when you have grace there is no pressure Right, because you can, like you said, you can agree or disagree. That I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even gonna go there with you because right. now I understand. Just like I was in a position like this not too long ago, and I can have empathy and understanding that you may be in a situation in your life right now right. where you under a lot of pressure, and I just, you know, hit you over the edge there. Right, and it's not even about me at all. It's not about me, and I know when I was in that place for 10 years, being depressed and still having to take care of babies and breastfeed and all of that. When I was in those places where I was screaming and it was negative and I was using bad words and stuff, all I wanted to do was be loved. Right. That's all I wanted. Right. So that's what I did with like love and grace. With love and grace, you don't really need much else because it's going to be able to propel you into purpose. That's where it comes from. It comes from the idea that number one, everybody's going through something. You don't know what it is and how they behave is a reflection of them right right, but they're your mirror so if if you keep coming into that mirror and then you're responding you guys are in a loop of negativity what you can do is to say you know i'm gonna break this loop and i'm gonna insert positivity what's wrong brother are you okay is there anything i can do to help i'm sorry you feel that way that was not my intention all those little things that you learned on the line you know what i mean like it's another thing too like when you're talking to someone, there's so many constructs that are your subconscious, we talk about, right? Right. Are feeding you while you're talking to somebody. Like right now, I could say I'm talking to a man. But what I've been learning to do is, no, I'm talking to a person. Right. And the same thing with men, we, we, me and my, my female colleagues talk about this all the time. Like when men talk to us, we feel like, they're talking to us with this subconscious that they're, they are a man talking to a woman. Mm-hmm. And there could potentially be these kinds of things that happen as a result of talking to her a certain kind of way. And if I do, like they have to process all of that because that's all they've ever known as men. Right. That's all they've ever been taught um, is that they're different or whatever. And the way that they address us and all of that. But now I come to public like I try to consciously and subconsciously to look someone in their eyes to talk to them like a person like i genuinely just want to get to know them better That right. i have no expectations and no agenda and from that conversation of getting to know somebody what happens is you build an actual relationship a foundation to grow in relationship with them right. whether that whether where it leads it depends on how much more you get to know each other, right? Right. And, and then that determines what kind of relationship. But like, we, we talk about dating now, and, like, you go on Tinder, you go on these things, and you're intentionally placing a romantic uh, title or energy onto this idea. A- a- idea of somebody you just met. Right. How you know you even like them yet? And you right. already saying, I want to go on a date with you. Right. Don't you want to sit and talk to them, see if you even like them before you throw some romantic shit on there? you right. know? And so... It's just being able to understand that, like, we're all human beings. We're all going through this human experience. And so once you have love and you have grace, then it'll propel you into purpose. Because now every encounter you meet, like, oh, I'm learning from you. Right. Whether it's the good or the bad or how you behave or your triggers or my triggers, how I respond to you. We're learning together and we're growing because of it. But, like, you know, recently I had a there was a trigger, right? Like when you're in a 10 year long relationship There's a lot of triggers. And like I said, I don't want to be stuck in the healing process. So I like to say, like, this is a trigger. I've identified it as a trigger. Now, what do I do to change that so it doesn't continue to trigger me no more? Because I don't want to live like this. And, you know, recently it was because I didn't feel heard. And I could feel myself coming out of my character. Like, it was boiling me. You know, like, I'm like, what? Like, this is not okay. I don't like the way you're talking to me. Like, blah, 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 whatever. And then I was like, you know what? Let me just go and process this. Let me cry it out. Mm -hmm. understand this about myself and then go back with a different energy. Like, actually, I'm a little hurt right now because of whatever's going on inside. And I really just need to be loved on. People will respond completely different after that. Right. But if you're defensive, then, you know, you're just contributing to that loop of negativity. So, I mean, again, like love and grace is where it's at, man. And for me, God is love. Right. I don't think of God as a man, a woman, um, anything. It's, it, love is the energy of what I believe God is. Right. Um, and so that's what I try to try to address everything with, you know, come yeah. everything with that energy. Like, I just want love. to. This, that's the loop I want to be in. You right. know, I don't want to be in the negative stuff.
0: Right. And, and you know, you, you touched on something that I think is important, is being honest with who you are communicating with in terms of how you truly feel, that's something that because of pride we hide, something we we choose to not speak about, and so we're doing a disservice to ourselves actually. As we're now we're putting ourselves in a situation for somebody to respond off of the information you gave them, when it was incorrect, so the outcome is going to be incorrect, and you know that's definitely something if you know we're talking about relationships, just like in the communities. The biggest distance is communication. Just in a relationship, it's the same exact thing as the need to communicate and then communicate effectively, right? There, I've always believed that if I want a particular outcome, there are particular ways to act to get that outcome. And there are certain people, if you're wise enough and, and observant enough and, 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 discern, and you have discernment, you know how to operate. What to say, how to say, tonality, whether this is the right time, whether it's not the right time, all those things correlate in terms of the outcome you're going to get. And so being able to, one, operate in empathy and two, openly communicate how you feel with one another with no sight of feeling judged, feeling judged and inadequacy. And that's just putting the attention on yourself. It's it's it just becomes monotonous, and you're getting the outcome that you're creating through your choices.
1: So then it's about you. It's not about the relationship.
0: Right, hundred percent. Right, what what are you saying?
1: When you, when you start operating in those things, it's about you, right? Right. It's about you now, but you are in a relationship, right? It needs to be a mutual thing. It needs to be an exchange. Yes. So if you're just doing all that and you're not communicating what is going on within you or why you're upset or any of that, the other person is not really a part of it anymore. Right. You know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. No, then that's, that's well said is what you've done is you've removed that connection piece. That's actually very well said, is now your lack of communication is is dismissing somebody from being a part of what it takes for two or more to be a part of in order for something successful to come out of it. So, yeah. And and
1: that's for every kind of relationship, because I think, especially in this country, we, especially in people of color, communities of color, we put such a weight on romantic relationships as if that's, like, the most important one you could have in your whole life. Right. When you become a parent, you realize, no, 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 right. no, That's not it, you know? And then it starts to put you into perspective, like, this is about all relationships. This is about how you behave with your friends, your colleagues, your employees, you know, all, your kids, all of that. You have to be this way with every relationship right. in your life. You can't just do it. You know, and, and that's what the romantic part, and that's why it's so toxic, especially in communities of color, is because we don't do it anywhere else, and then we bottle all that stuff up with all those other relationships that we don't ever communicate, and we're bottling up all those emotions, and we get home, and then it all comes out, that pressure comes out to that one person who lives with you, right. that one person who's going to love you through it all, that you know they ain't going to leave you no matter what, or whatever, because you feel like that's the place you can get it out. It's all negative stuff, though. Right. You know, because you're not communicating. You're not in a mutual relationship with all these other people because you're letting them trigger you and you're keeping all of that in and all of that, you know, have no communication. And that's why so many of our families don't stay together. Right. Because it's like y'all don't even talk to each other really until it's horrible. Right.
0: You're not proactive, you're reactive. If people were more proactive, life would be completely different. But we wait to have to respond to something rather than being able to know what the outcome is going to be and respond to it. So that way is the outcome we want. And, uh, you know, real, real quick, I just to kind of touch on it a little bit, I think it's important because it has a lot to do with you and and who you are when it comes to just faith, right? Faith is, um, an important thing in in all of our lives and it's not even attached to a religion. It's, it's the belief in something, even when you can't see it or, the evidence of things unseen and what is it? How, how is it properly said uh the sub the the evidence of things of seen, unseen and the substance of things hoped for that's what faith is um but how important is faith to you in this journey and in this life that you're living what what, what does that word mean to you
1: it's everything it's like the core of who i am now at least you know um it's just so important there's so there's so much bad stuff going on if you don't have faith then there's no motivation no inspiration to work towards something better it's not to say that better just exists without anybody doing any work towards it right but what faith does is it provides that motivation to work towards it um also like i i feel like i see the good in people Mm -hmm. and for me that's faith too you know like whether they're in their worst moments or whatever like even when I look back on that on my past relationships even on the really big you know uh, 10 year long one I don't consider that man a bad man (laughs) at all because I have grace and I have faith you know like I know that there are so many things that contribute to how a black man behaves and a lot of those things have the the men are not in control of those things it's just what's being fed to them, you know. But because I have faith, then I can have grace and love towards him and in, in, in any relationship. And also, like, for me, faith, when I when I correlated directly with how I practice my faith, right, because I'm a, I'm a yogi, I do my Sundays, and, and, and I also go to church on Sundays. It's, like, a big deal to me. It's intentionally carving out space to practice faith, I think, is something that's just so important. in so many people, especially in the younger generation— don't truly understand yet because we're so far away, far removed from the church. We forget why Sunday service exists. Not to say that has to be everybody's practice because I practice in a lot of ways. I make sure I pray five times a day. I make sure I do my son's salutations in the morning and then I go to church on Sunday. But everybody's practice can be different. But if you're carving out intentional time in your week to practice faith, practice it, then you're building that subconscious then that subconscious has that tone to it, has the love and grace to it. And, 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 and so that's something that I wish more people knew. Like, it's one thing to say I have faith. And I have this, especially with men, I had this conversation. Ah, you know, I practice faith. I pray here and there, you know, and I, I believe in God. Well, that's, not, that's not what I mean, though, you know. Like, I'm asking you, like, do you practice it, though? How do you practice it? Is there a discipline to it in your life? Is there a level of commitment to, you know, is it a weekly practice? Is it a daily practice? Like it makes you think about it, you know, like what, you know, faith is not just something you can attain right. without doing the work, 100%, right?
0: Faith without works is dead. It is. Right. And
1: and, and it, in a lot of ways, you know, in right. a lot of ways, because you could say you have it, but then you're not practicing it. So what a good is it, right? you know? And just as simple as putting a day aside, an hour aside, a week or something like that, like like you said, you know, you start to build that subconscious in a positive way, and you also have a level of discipline. I tell, I, I have a platform on YouTube that's called PE, Political Education for the Revolutionary, right? Boom. Um, and we we do three things, right? There's a generational gap that exists in the movement for social justice. Our older generation of activists, there was like a time period after the 60s and 70s where things kind of got quiet, understandably so. Pro infiltrated the party. People got assassinated in the Nation of Islam. People were deported. And my uncle was assassinated, all these different things, right? So things got a lot of quiet in this time period. But what happened is it, it literally created a generational gap where we, don't talk, we didn't talk to each other. And things were not happening, so we were not learning from each other. And so now we're faced with the situation where we're seeing with this young group of activists is that there's a lot of the same mistakes happening. Right, right. So what we do at political education for the revolutionaries, we bring these old heads to the table and we allow them to give us a lecture because how many times have you been asked to sit on a panel or moderated a panel? I, I can't tell you countless times I've sat on a panel, but the questions are directed and they get to basically create the narrative, how they, how they, you know, do the panel with this platform. It gives these, these old heads, these OG activists, the space to deliver the message they believe we need. And then there's a dialogue after, right? But we start with prayer. We, and then we go into 10 sun salutations to get our bodies ready. And then we go into the lesson of the day, the education, and then we have a dialogue, you know, and we've, figure out how now can we implement what we've learned into our daily life. And so that's the, and I say that all that to say, it's all connected, you know, like you have to understand that you have to put yourself in a place to receive, you know, you have to get your body ready to receive and all of that. Otherwise, you're not really getting it. Right. You know you're not going to be able to implement it. You're not really going to be able to use it. You're not really going to be able to teach nobody else with it unless you're really in that place. Right. and And you know, like I said, that the Panthers did it. They had a, a national, almost international organization with no social media and all of that. So right. it just takes talking to each other. We have to create those spaces to talk to each other, not on social media. I, I hate to, I hate to say it. I hate to break it to this new generation of activists. It's got to be real bodies. We got to start coming together again because that they cannot control, right? They can't shift the narrative, which way the dialogue goes. We get to do that because we're in person. Right. And We get to control that. So I, I can't remember why I brought it up, but that's how we deal with all of that stuff. You know, like yeah. having bringing all of the things together, making sure that we're always thinking holistically. And if we hear from people like that gives you faith, it gives you more faith because you're like, man, they did it this is how they did it, they made the same mistakes. Right. So how do we learn from that, right? right? And, and also, like it does it, for me, when I hear these old guys talk, these old men and women talk about how they organized themselves back in the day, I just keep thinking like, I, I have no excuse. <laughs> right. We got no excuse. If they figured it out, we can figure it out. We just keep making excuses for ourselves and it's because we lack faith. Right. Because we're like, you know what, it's too much bad. Right. We we could never do enough. You know, there's too many issues to tackle. There's too many. They were not busy filling their brains up with that kind of attitude. Right. They were busy doing stuff. Right. They were busy saying, We we see a better future. I made it to the mountaintop. I can see it. Like, they were too busy seeing that and not getting distracted by the other stuff. And that's faith. That's what faith is. You know, It's, it's,
0: it's where their faith lied, you know. Um, for me, when I think about faith, I think about it's gonna happen no matter what. It is a irreversible knowing that something is gonna happen, even, even if it looks like everything's against it, even if it looks like I don't know how it's gonna happen. The faith that I hold to keeps me grounded knowing that it has to happen. And so for me, that that's one way that I've lived my life where it's like, I just know it's got to happen and it's going to happen. And I may not know how it's going to happen and it may not look how I think it's going to happen, but it's going to be all right. And this is going to come to pass. And it just has to, it, there is nothing in me or anything that anybody can say that can, rev, can derail me from believing this thing. And that's faith to me. Faith is having, even if you don't understand, you just know. It's 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 a knowing. It's, a, it's, it's an internal assurance that this is a thing and the outcome that I'm going to get no matter what. It's like, think about it. We, we woke up today and you got up and you came here. You believed you were going to come here. That's normal humans operating in faith. Something could have happened, but it didn't. You believed you would get here that's a simple that that's in the most simplistic way that I can express what faith is. And if we think about it in, in terms of what we want to do with life, the exact same way, I feel like everything would change. Like my, my life. I think that's one thing for me that has always propelled me forward and is having faith where I'm talking about like no doubts, no fears, like this is what's gonna happen. And it's and and even if it didn't happen how I thought it was gonna happen, I didn't lose faith. I didn't get discouraged. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I continued and I persevered. And it's that understanding of faith that allows me to be disciplined. It allows me to to operate in particular ways because I know that this faith is gonna get me through. You know? I mean. And so like, even with that, you know, faith, as you mentioned, comes with action. You know, comes with doing things behind that faith. Be, the, discipline. The, the discipline, the practice of discipline. Talk about it.
1: So that's why we do the Sundays. That's because we want people, like, for example, I do 10 Sundays a day. It's, it it it, seem, it may seem like a lot in the beginning, but after you do it for a long time, it's not that hard. Like you said, you keep reprogramming yourself. It's like Natural after right. a while, and so and the more you practice it, that discipline allows for that practice, right? right. Then it becomes easier. I could tell you there's right now I, there's a pro- passion project I'm working on, and the other day I was sitting down, and I my brain is always thinking about stuff, but I was thinking specifically about that passion project, and I had a vision. I wasn't asleep. I literally had a vision. This passion project is that we're we're going to start mushroom farming in our, in our neighborhood, in, in a healthy hood. Uh, not the psychedelics yet, but we're doing, you know, the healthy mushrooms, the ones that help cure hypertension, which a lot of people don't know. You know, the oyster mushroom does that. But in this vision, I literally saw my friends like set, I saw my friend Haley. She was holding a package that said the people's mushrooms on it. Like, you know, like we used to get them at the grocery store. She was at the grocery store and she was holding it and she took a picture and sent it to me, right? It's to say that we're going to grow mushrooms, then they're going to be in the grocery stores, and then people right. are going to be able to buy them. It's, but it's I never had visions like that before. So That was so specific. Right. You know what I mean? But it's because I've been, I know it's because I've been practicing faith. Right. So now when you think about manifestation and what that even is, right, it's faith. Right. But when you incorporate discipline into your faith, then things start to become a lot clearer. Right. When you think about the prophets of the Bible and how they were able to prophesize, right, or prophecy things that were going to happen, because they were practicing their faith in a level of discipline, eventually they started to see things clearer. Right. They could. It's almost like your subconscious then learns the mechanisms. Well, you are attached.
0: Of, you're attached to Source, and you're not distracted because of that discipline. You've disciplined so much that. What would technically be a distraction in your mind is no longer there and you can hear clearer, you can see more clearer. Because I like uh like you were mentioning, I think it's important, um having that vision is a representation of that discipline that you're working in because all the answers are always inside. All the resources and everything you need to be attached to source. We are all stardust. We are all of this universe. This same energy and spirit that lives in me has always lived here. It's been in the universe forever. With, without it, it, your spirit is living now, will live after, and has lived before because it's always been here. It's like, like a puzzle piece. If you think about the universe as a big puzzle, you're a piece of the puzzle, which means the universe can't exist without you because you are of it and it is of you and when you clear yourself from distractions and you get into a discipline that allows you to to look internally what you're doing is you're you're literally looking at answers you're looking at source you're look, you're looking at what it is you need to know and see and 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 how to operate like even just recently i had a dream and i typically i think when i was younger i had more dreams and i feel like as children you do because you're less intoxicated with the world's perspective and and things and programs but
1: your imagination isn't tainted right
0: your imagination isn't tainted or diluted and you know as of recently i've really been in that space um especially with like doing all these podcasts and just just really taking hold of, of of what's inside right so that way these podcasts have the effect it's supposed to have to those who are consuming it but i had a dream that was just so vivid i mean so vivid. I felt like it was all night. And I know every single piece of the dream. Wow. Every action. I, I wrote it down and I had people who were friends that I knew. I, I literally wrote them the message. Like everybody got a message in it that I knew that I was close. Like it was just it was just a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing where you wake up with, with so much joy. I was in an, in an immense amount of joy. I just woke up like, oh my goodness. But what was spoken in there I know was needed. It was something that couldn't come from somewhere else, but had to come in that way. And it couldn't have happened if I wasn't in a state of discipline, if I wasn't practicing my faith, if I wasn't being deliberate with what I was doing consciously. So yeah, I, I think that that is just uh, super important and, and um, applying that discipline. That's something that's like a, a common thread with everybody that comes on the show. It's like, no matter what industry, no matter what level of understanding you have, It boils back down to one of the hardest things for humans to do is be disciplined
1: yeah (laughs) you know what it's a process right because you gotta just as long as you start somewhere if it's just one day of the week you do the same thing that day you consider one of the days your sabbath you know it, it could be something easy in the beginning you know it could just be like every morning when i wake up i'm gonna pray or i'm gonna just tap in real quick and meditate or whatever just practicing discipline in any way will 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 help you right. get there you know and like for me especially when you're in like a negative space your life becomes very disorganized right because your emotions are all over the place and so then you feel like you don't have space for consistency and consistency is goes hand in hand with discipline right cuz discipline is doing something consistently right, right? so you know, as long as you start somewhere so you can learn that, you know, and it, it, it's, it's purposeful because the little bit of discipline we do learn as people of color in this country comes from like a factory based, you know, model. Right. Which is that we go wake up and you clock in and you scan your idea division class and then you're out and then you do whatever. Right. That's your discipline. But there's no purpose in that. You know, that's what somebody just made you do. When you start to make yourself do stuff, right. it's a different kind of discipline. It's completely different. Right. And it doesn't have the authority thing attached to it. It has purpose attached to it. And so, I mean, you're right. A d- discipline is its just so important. It's so important. Like, as I get older, I get more and more disciplined. I get better at it. Uh, I obviously still have – it's really hard to be organized when you're an entrepreneur. Right. It's, but right. it's so important it has its challenges for
0: sure. It's so important. That's the game changer. The more organized you are, the more you get done, the better it gets done. The less anxiety you have. No, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, I would consider myself an entrepreneur. Um, I've been one for like 10 years. And uh, my tuition was <laughs> all the money I lost and all the things I had to learn and all my mistakes. And, um, you know, finally getting it together. And seeing what being disciplined is and seeing what being organized is and seeing how all of those things are needed alongside your skill. And your peace. And your peace, 100%. Like, being able to, man, I, I remember time and time again just falling in a state of anxiety because of the lack of structure and order. You need systems. Systems are important, especially as an entrepreneur. Systems are something that are always being tweaked too, And, you know, that's why writing your vision down, right? Uh, Creating a business plan. Whatever your idea is, write it down. Have it before you. See it. Because, like it was told to me, a bad business plan. I mean, no business plan or a bad business plan is better than no business plan. Because you could fix a bad one, but you can't fix no plan. And being able to have a plan allows you to... Uh, uh, Keep yourself accountable to something and adjust as needed, but it creates structure and order behind that. And so, yeah, just for anybody that's listening, you know, if you have an idea, if you have a passion, if you have something that you want to do, write it down, write it down and logically think about it and and, and think about it in a practical way. Think about what it could be, what it should be, how that could be, where that should be. You know what I mean? Like what
1: steps you got to take, right?
0: What steps you got to take and then, all right, step one might require... Three small steps to get there. Write that down, right?
1: Then it's in your then it's in your mind. It's in your subconscious. So everything that you say and everything that you do will be a reflection of that. That's what manifestation is, really. Right. Like I think about now I'm doing this mushrooms thing. I keep bringing it up. Every conversation I have, I'm talking to them about the mushrooms. Right. When you see the people's mushrooms, you're going to want to buy them because you just heard me say it. And I keep saying it and I keep saying it and I keep saying it. I did that literally with everything that I've ever created. Before I even created it, I started talking about it like it was real. Right. The we got us we didn't. Marty was there with us that first day. We didn't have nobody there. We know what we was doing. Right. We didn't even know where the food was gonna come from at first. We were just like, we know our people need food, and we are gonna be giving it out. Right. You know. And because I kept saying it, and and I kept faith. saying it. Yeah, and then eventually people are like, oh, we got the food. We got this. I'll volunteer. I'll do this. And it kept growing and growing and growing. I'm like, all right, now we got to make a hotline. Now we got to do this. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Until And then what it does is it attracts the people who have 100%. the skills to do it because you right. don't have it all yourself. Right. And you spoke to this earlier. Like, It's not so much about understanding yourself or like trying to create something on your own and saying, this is what I want to create but I know I can't do it by myself, but this is what I can bring to the table and I'm really good at this. Right. And if I talk to someone who's really good at that and tell them I'm really good at this, and we come together, we can make it happen, right? right. And, and that's how I've been able to build so many communities is over the common ground, right. not over the skills. Right. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a role to play. So if we all understand this is the common goal, then we know that this is what I can contribute. It's not I'm going to fit into a box that is brand new to me it's like how am i revolutionizing what i already do what i'm already good at how can i bring that to the table right and i think that's really what the system teaches us complete opposite right right? like you said like we don't focus on what we're passionate about what we're really good at we got to go to school and learn english and we got to go to a good school and learn all these other things and then we have to work within that system to get to what their definition of success is and then we never get to tap into our passions and our skills right and and instead, with with a revolutionary structure, it's like, nah, we want you to do what you're good at because guess what? You're going to do it really good.
0: Right. Exactly. Simple.
1: Instead of making you do something that you don't want to do that you're not good at. And, I, and, and now that I've been in this work for so long, I realize there's literally someone good at everything. There's someone who likes math. Right. There's someone who likes serving people food. There's someone who likes cooking. I don't like cooking. So I need to find that person. You know what I mean? Like, there's someone for everything. So why are we forcing people into these other things that they're not good at, right? Just so people could continue to to contribute to this system of being fucking miserable.
0: Right. And feeling Um, inadequate. Like like I said, it's like judging a fish's ability to climb a tree. Like, why? Right.
1: Why? Why? Why are and, you telling yeah. the fish to do that in the first place? Right. You know, why, why is it even trying to do that in the first place? Right. Like, you done did something to the water, you know? <laughs> like Right. It's, some, it's and, not and, natural. And, and
0: it's not. And we focus. And so the focus is not the fish focusing on the fact that it's a great swimmer. Now the focus is the fish focusing on the fact that it's a bad climber. And literally.
1: It's a distraction. It's a distraction
0: from your innate ability to be this thing and this person that you were created to be
1: ultimately being happy
0: right 100 percent that's the goal yeah
1: you're not going to be happy if you're not doing what you literally placed on this earth to do right and and that part too like figuring that part out is just coming up outside yourself and looking within right you know like it's both of those things but it's not it's not going to be an epiphany moment and like every time somebody asks me like what was that moment and i'm like Nope, not even going to contribute to that social construct because it's not an epiphany moment. You are constantly growing and learning about yourself. You are constantly shifting right. and changing what your goals are, and that's okay. Right. You don't, like, same thing with community organizations. We see so often that they become so specific. This is what they do. This is the demographic of people they target.
0: Right. There is
1: no flexibility or space for them to grow like that. Right. If that's all you're going to do, and if somebody calls you and says, I'm really hungry, please, I need food, and you say, oh, we don't do that. Instead of figuring it out, who does do that then? Right. How do I get this person? It's a hungry person on the phone. you know. And, and we have to know that as humans, things are going to change. We are constantly evolving.
0: It's a constant metamorphosis. You got to shift. 100%. And, and that, is, that is the way of the world. That is the way of how we operate, who we are, is a constant, like even with what I'm doing now, this is a representation of my, my evolvement, you know, and me recognizing that and knowing it's that time and knowing I'm in that season, right. And, and being self-aware of that. And when you can understand that, that change is beautiful and necessary, things just fall into place so much better because you're not getting in your way. And yeah, I mean, I shifting
1: think- is the name of the game. When they say there's bumps in the road, I don't really consider those bumps at all. They're like, go that way. Right. Go that way. Because if you don't, you're going to hit this. You're right. going to hit something hard. You're going to hit a block. You're going to hit. Just got to be able to move when it. it's, for me, the bumps are God. That's how I feel about it. When you shift, it's because God is direct, redirecting you because you done fell off a little bit. So you got to redirect yourself. Right. And if you, same thing with like, what's the yin and yang and and, the yin going, and the yang. going with the flow and, and all, there's something, that's why I said at its core, faith is beautiful. It's religion that has tainted it, right? Right. But at its core is beautiful because it allows you to just go with the flow of life and allow for something greater to help direct you. You right. know what I mean?
0: Yeah, duality. Duality is important. And recognizing that life's lessons, even if it does feel like a failure, it's not a loss.
1: Million percent, it's
0: simply a lesson for
1: sure,
0: but yeah, we've been uh at it for about uh hour and 45 minutes. Oh, wow! Uh, just changed the card. Um, yeah, we've been at it for about an hour and 47 minutes exactly. So, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure we can go on for a little bit longer, but um, just to conclude the podcast, um, first and foremost, I appreciate you coming on the show, just giving your heart out, expressing what you do. Um, I could tell. I, I can see it, you know, um, it's recognized, um, when you speak, um, your tonality, the things that you spoke about in particular moments, um, where you could tell there were, there, there was a particular passion and something with inside yourself that, that was like exuded, you know, you can see it in your eyes. And so I think that people who are authentic like that and really seeking to make a change, not only in their world, but those that they come in contact with um, is a very selfless and important thing and, and beautiful thing. And, you know, if more people were like that, you know, the world would be changed a lot quicker. The reality is it's um, gonna take some time, uh, you know, a time, it's gonna take some lifetimes. And all we can do is just continue to pass the torch. And, and put it in the hands of people who can who can continue that message. So I just want to, you know, say thank you for, you know, giving that message and just coming on and, and by good faith, you know, um, and it's well-respected. So, But before we do get off, if you want to tell people where they can, you know, connect with you and where they can reach out.
1: Yeah, for sure. So my personal IG handle is underscore Tanya Lozano. And then our organization is at Healthy Hood Shy, C-H-I, like Chicago on uh, YouTube, We're Healthy Hood. Um, that's also where you'll find the political education classes. Uh, there's some old ones on there that, you know, that are super interesting if you wanna go on there. Uh, minister, the Honorable Minister Ishmael Muhammad has come on the show. Um, we've had everyone from like the co-founders of the Brown Berets, Carlos Montes, just really cool. A uh, super, um, you know, honorable OGs in the game uh, that we le- we're trying to learn from and if you're looking for a program like a holistic program of what it is to be like a socially active person then this is a good program because you'll be able to get that education at least once a month it comes with that discipline part with the sun A's and, and it teaches us how to incorporate revolutionary mindset into our everyday life. So uh, that's that's my 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 bid, right? And I'm trying to get as many people up on the political education as I can, because according to my father, you're not a revolutionary organization without political education. So.
0: Mm. Okay, let them know. <laughs> uh, is this live right here? All right, perfect. Well, like I said, I appreciate you for sharing that. Everybody, go ahead and follow her if you've not yet subscribed to the channel. No, I guess we're going to do this one more time, but we're going to look at this camera. It's on. It's going. All right, perfect. Uh, Like I had mentioned, you know, I appreciate, you know, everybody watching. If you've not subscribed yet, make sure you do subscribe. This podcast is going to be on every streaming platform that podcast can stream on um, and also on all social platforms. So if you know anybody who can use anything that's been spoken into this podcast today, whatever gems you feel that you were able to get, anything that you picked up that we put down and you feel is profound in a way where somebody can grow from it, go ahead and share it with them. If there's anybody you feel that should come on the podcast or any topics of discussions you would like to hear, let us know in the comments section. And until next time, you guys take care. Peace.